Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on holy sons and daughters. We talked about being holy because he is holy. You guys remember, is that ringing a bell now? 1 Peter 1, we read 13 through 23, read from several different translations, but let's just recap verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You've skipped down to verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. The Passion Translation, those few passages, uh, says, Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, You are holy because I am holy. If we look at it in the message, As obedient children, let yourselves, I love this, be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You skip on down to verse 23. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. Sometimes there's a lot of misconceptions of what holy is, and we've thrown out holy like the bath, the baby with the bath water. We've thrown out holiness because we've relegated that to legalism, and so we say we don't want to talk about being holy anymore, but you can't be a son or a daughter of God and not be holy. You can't be a son or daughter of Michael and Jahan without having Michael and Jahan's DNA. I guess I should use a better example today. You can't be a son or daughter of Paul and Chloe unless you have Paul and Chloe's DNA. There's no question. We don't have to scratch our head. We don't have to do a lot of research. We don't have to have a lot of blood tests. We don't have to try to figure out what type of DNA this little baby that's the size of a pea is going to have. We already know. And so children of God should be holy. God's glory, his essence, and his reputation is complete and lacking nothing. We, his sons and his daughters, should be complete and lacking nothing, not dictated by our circumstances or our current situations. If I can go back to worship for just a minute, I'm kind of stuck there. But you know, the waves that you see from the shore sometimes can be daunting. But the waves that you can't see from the shore can swallow the waves on the shore whole. Mm -hmm. 
Are you with me? If you see waves six feet tall from the shore, then most likely if you go out a couple of miles, you'll see waves 40 feet tall. And some of us run away. That's so funny. Just remember our, our kids, every time they start getting acclimated to the beach, one of the first games they play with it is run up to it. And then when a wave comes in, they run and let it chase them, right? And so that's kind of what it looks like, some of us, in our walk with God. Oh, I'm going to charge hell with the water pistol. I'm coming. I'm going to do like Baywatch where they run full speed and dive through the waves, right? And it's just going to cut through the water like a submarine. And then we come full steam. And then the wave comes and we're like... Start running the other direction. We run as fast as we can. But just to touch on that, one more point from worship. Where you're going, it's going to be necessary for you to learn to conquer those waves that are in front of you. The ones that you are running from are not even the ones you're going to have to walk on eventually. If you're scared of those, you have no idea what more he has for you. Those are just faith builders. The ones you won't even engage in right now, those are just allowed to come your way to build your faith for the greater things that he has for you. Sometimes we so wonder why we're not seeing the greater things, and it's because we're so scared of the lesser things. If you run from the lesser things, he can't prepare you for the greater things. He's not going to let anybody bypass all of the little waves and then just stick them out there with the 40-feet waves. He loves us too much to let us do that. Every wave that we conquer, it's like a little kid riding a roller coaster for the first time. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. No, you can't make me do it. Crying, screaming. If you can just get them on it before you get off the ride. Can we get back in line? 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 Again, 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 again. I know I've thrown my kids up and they're scared to death the first time and my wife's scared to death. Don't do that. But as soon as they catch them, they're like, again, again, again. Ezra, I tried to get him to jump in the pool this week. Took me Three days to get him to jump in. And then it took me three days to find a way to do something else besides catch him jump in the pool. <laughs> That's the way it is. Then you'll start wanting bigger things, and bigger waves, and bigger waves, and bigger waves. But you can't even start. Some of us aren't even getting started. We just keep running back to the shore. And so we should be... Holy, complete, that was a side note. We should be holy, complete, and lacking nothing. And that is built in us, just like that faith to overcome the waves. It's built in us. God is faithful to make us, to bring us to a place where we're complete and lacking nothing. He's, he's, he's committed, and he's faithful to bring us to a place where we can sleep in a boat no matter how big the waves are. Yes. But we have to trust him 
to even get started. <coughs> and so when he's calling us to be holy, it's like this. It really kind of ties together better than I think today where we were in worship. But when he's calling us, because we talked last week, last whatever time ago, that for when he says, be holy because I'm holy, that's like a confirmation. That's like a DNA test. You're holy because I'm holy. I just confirmed that to you. You're holy. That's confirmation. You're holy. I'm your daddy. Who's your daddy? Me. You're holy. And it's a command. Be holy. But it's a call. Come be holy. It's like a Polaroid picture. You know, you take a snapshot of a Polaroid and it comes out and it's blurry and it develops eventually. Okay? We've got digital ones now that we hardly ever develop. We just put them on a flash drive or a computer somewhere and we never look at them again. That's technology. Technology has robbed us from printing pictures, right? But when pictures used to be processed... Immediately you take a picture, that picture is 100% an exact replication of what it took, the exposure. But it is a process of it being developed before everyone else can see what the picture was. And so you are immediately confirmed. We read through so much last week and talked about so much a few weeks ago about why we're sons and why we're daughters and how that's confirmed. And it's through Jesus Christ and all that he's done to make us sons and daughters. And so it is confirmed. It is done. It is documented. It is It is sealed. That exposure is set. It is captured. We are holy. And then our life is like the time it takes in the, great, the dark room where it is, becomes clear for everybody to see. Some days you say, man, I don't feel holy. I don't look holy. Man, that wasn't holy. Well, hang on. You are holy. You have to always understand that you're holy. We looked at when Jesus was baptized, and so we're going to start there today. And before I get caught up trying to do more recapping. In Matthew chapter 3, we'll just pick up at the end of verse 17. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus, (coughs) when Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove And God said, let's read it from the message. This is my son chosen and marked by by my love, the delight of my life. You guys know it as this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The delight of my life. If you are his son and you are his daughter and you are that because of the price that Jesus Christ paid for you, if you accept the price that his son came and purchased you for and you submit to that and you accept that and you receive that, then you're a son and you're a daughter. Just like Jesus was a son. We are joint heirs with him. He's proud to call us his brothers and his sisters. We are a part 
of the family. And so when God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, or this is my son marked by my love, he is the delight of my life. That is what he says about you the minute you accept the price Jesus paid for your life. You are a son, you are a daughter. Before you do a bunch of awesome stuff, before you go through a bunch of waves, before you get out there on that big platform he has for you, before you do any of that stuff, you are already his son, his daughter, in whom he is well pleased. The delight of his life. Jesus hadn't turned water to wine. He hadn't healed one person. He hadn't done one miracle. But the minute that he submitted himself and he was baptized and he showed that symbol of submitting his life and being raised again, he let everyone know, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And that's the same thing with us. I want to make a leap today. I want to read a passage. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but I just, it's so good. And it's from Lynn Howe's Unforced Rhythm of Grace. And so I'm going to read this passage to you today. John the Baptist was, according to the words of Jesus, one of the greatest men ever born of woman. However, John the Baptist was the last of the old covenant prophets. His prophetic ministry was announcing the imminent availability of the kingdom of God. It was now at hand. The king of the kingdom was now walking planet earth and was about to be introduced by John at the Jordan River. I do not think it is an accident that John the Baptist saw the spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove. Now check this out. You see, when Noah built his ark, God was giving him a vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and the curse. And it would bring him to rest on a mountain called Ararat. The word Ararat means the curse is reversed. As the ark was emerging from the flood... An old world was being washed away by water. A new world where the curse had been reversed was about to come into view. Noah released two birds from the ark. One of them was an unclean bird, and it flew all the way through the scriptures and landed in the book of Revelation where Babylon has become a hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. But the dove only had to fly to the book of Matthew, where he finds Jesus, the true ark, emerging from the waters of baptism. When the dove, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, landed on Jesus, he had just found the new world where the curse was reversed. He landed on the olive branch, which symbolizes a covenant of peace. The rainbow of God's new covenant would rest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
emerging from the muddy waters of the Jordan River was the king of all kings who would open a door into the everlasting kingdom of God through the new birth experience. The blood, the water, and the spirit were now the medium by which we enter the kingdom of God. No longer would man have to take the kingdom of God by force. He would simply just have to receive it as a free gift. In this new covenant, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's no longer earned, but freely given. You see, all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. Until is a time is a time word and culminated with John. Anyone who has been born again has entered the kingdom by virtue of his or her new birth. Is anybody getting bored? That person now has the indwelling spirit of God. No one in the old covenant had this abiding presence. So he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than any of the old covenant prophets. They did not have eternal life living in their spirits. They were not born again. They had not been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's look at it from the Message Bible. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John, teaming up with him in preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Right. I'm almost done. You see, the kingdom replaced the law. A brand new covenant was about to be given. The new covenant is the constitution of the kingdom. A new form of governing God's people was coming on the scene. Listen to this. No longer would an external code written on tablets of stone govern us, but an internal indwelling Holy Spirit would now be the moral compass of our lives. We were about to become the governor's mansion. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness was about to empower us to reign in life by one Christ Jesus. From this time forward, everything would flow from this incredible rest. This time, we were in this ark called Christ. We were baptized into Christ. We left the old world, and now the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit dove abides with us forever. Right now, we are citizens of the kingdom of God with access to all the kingdom has to offer. This time, we do not have to violently take it. We simply flow out of rest, out of the finished work, out of the perpetual Sabbath. It is the unforced rhythms of grace. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. I read all of that today. 
Number one, I absolutely love the picture of the dove flying to the olive tree branch and bringing back an olive branch, right? And then the dove goes and never returns, right? Because it is abiding with the sun. It is abiding with us in the promised land. And so it never returns. Look at Galatians 3.23. Going somewhere with this today. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Look at Galatians 4. I'm going to think it's going to be around verse 3. That is the way it is with us. When we were minors, we were just like slaves, ordered around by simple instructions, the tutors and administrators of this world, with no say in the conduct of our own lives. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we've been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. I know it's a lot of reading today, but I'm trying to build a foundation for you. There's a great assignment against holiness. There's a great assignment against holiness. It should be the easiest thing that flows out of a believer. Because it's our very nature as sons and daughters of God. Yet we make it the most difficult thing because we take it back to the elemental things of the law. We take holiness back to an old covenant which we could not possibly even be holy in the old covenant. How in the world do we invoke laws from a covenant that it was impossible to be holy in as the standard of holiness in the new covenant? How can we do that? Look at 2 Corinthians 3. It's kind of a long passage too. Just bear with me. Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory. Though it produced death, 
the Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. Does that make sense? The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. So then with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We're not like Moses who used the veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Did you know Moses wore a veil to keep them from seeing that the glory fades? A lot of people wear veils to keep people from seeing that there's no real glory in their life. A lot of people wear suit and ties to trick you, to make you think that there's glory in their life, but there is none. A lot of people put signs on the doors of their churches to let you know how glorious they are with all their rules and their regulations and what type of translation of the Bible that you have to read from to just disguise and to hide the fact that there's no real glory being manifested in the house. It's fading. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. When we operate as a schizophrenic body who tries to embrace the glory of God and embrace the letter of the law, we put a veil over our body and the world cannot see the glory of God be manifest. Where was I? The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Can you just see that the world is blind and we're trying to heal their blindness by making them blind? Because when we put the letter of the law on them, it causes their hearts to be blind. So now they're double blind. They don't know God. They're lost. Then we put the veil of the law over them, and now they're double lost. Now they're double hopeless. 
Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. That's what people need to see. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. Our glory should not be diminishing. Our glory should be increasing. We have for so long tried to spin plates to keep everybody's glory up. Jump another hurdle. Man, my glory's fading. I better make a new discipline. I better make add something else to my list like we talked about a few weeks ago to show God I'm really serious and let the church know that I'm really committed and I better do this and I better do that and I better do this to make sure everybody knows the glory of God's in my life. And the more you do to try to strive to show His glory, the more the glory fades. Then we become a completely corrupted system that manufactures something that has nothing to do with the glory of God. Wow. We went down our steps one night at the beach. Sorry, I talk a lot about the beach. I just got back. And it's nesting season. We go down the steps, and from me, from me to PJ, there's this massive sea turtle in the middle of the night. I mean, not middle of the night. It's dark. Nesting, putting eggs down. And here I am, me and Jahan, seven kids, headlamps. I mean, they tell you not to use lights, you know, <laughs> during nesting season. So here we are, headlamps, flashlights. I mean, I thought it was just the balconies. I really didn't know we couldn't walk around the beach. And so don't you know, there were some environmentalists down there <laughs> that uh, educated me on my felonious, my felonious activities. <laughs> I was breaking multiple federal laws by walking around the beach looking for ghost crabs with my little children. And potentially, I literally waited. We went up later. I, we, I like let them all catch one crab even after he told me all that, because that's just kind of where I am. <laughs> one crab, one crab, I promised them, right? I mean, you got to weigh that. Prison, break a promise to your kids, you know? And I don't know if this guy's really legit. I didn't see no badge, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he might have just been a hippie that didn't want me out there. Who knows? I, mean, I, I don't know for sure, okay? I don't know for sure. It's a flashlight, right? And they say it draws them away from the moon, and so we were on that side of the turtle. So I'm drawing it to the water, man. I'm rocking, right? Like, kids, don't go on the other side of the turtle. We don't want to make them go the wrong way. Shine your light over here. Come on, turtle. Like a runway. <laughs> we're actually helping the turtle. I work for the government. What are you talking about? One crab, we did it really quick. And I was sitting in the hot tub later that night. I know it was a rough week. Sitting in the hot tub with... Evie and Nehemiah, we were just having a little night swim together. Evie didn't want to come. She don't love us like that. But she had already showered. 
And literally, sometimes the door would blow on the house, I mean, the, you know, the yard. And so I'd hear these noises. And I literally, guys, was waiting on SWAT team. <laughs> Every time I heard a door, I was like, dear God, the SWAT team. I mean, I, like, like, I'm, I was like, I haven't had an anxiety attack in a while. But I was having one in the hot tub with my two kids, trying to act like everything's fine. You know, I'm like, they're going to... They want to arrest them, right? They'll, I'll let them go in. I even looked in the door. Like, they won't really know it's us, but, like, I mean, the turtle was there. The people saw us walk in our gate, right? And then I, like, was thinking if I could just play dumb, you know? But then I look, and visible from sight from the hot tub was all the flashlights on the table, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty much in trouble here, Right? And I literally, I kept waiting on the SWAT team. I could just see them, like, all headlights up, guns with the lights on. I'm like, you know, who did it? And uh, it didn't happen, but we're still here. This is going on podcast. They probably can find me now. (laughs) Turtles are drawn to the moon. So once those little hatchlings hatch, those little innocent, vulnerable things need to know which way to go. And if some moron (laughs) don't have a clue what's going on and what's really happening, standing up there with a light, Telling his kid to take a one picture of it. <laughs> and all those hatchlings go the wrong direction. Because of that fake light we shined. That manufactured moon that we're shining leads a bunch of people the wrong direction. I said it Wednesday night, a couple Wednesday nights ago when Blake was sharing, I got some stuff from his teaching. You know why Jesus cursed the fig tree? Not because it didn't have fruit, but because it lied. See, fig trees produce fruit before they produce leaves. And so it never says in Scripture that you can't have a season where you don't have fruit on your branches because God knows that your fruit is digging deeper. Because trees in seasons where they're not producing fruit, they're not dormant. Their roots are going deeper. So the fruit of that season is depth. And so there are no seasons that we, oh, I'm just in a season. Well, you must be getting deeper then. You should be progressing in every season. But you should not be posing in every season. And the scripture says that Jesus saw the fig tree. He saw the leaves. So he went to get fruit from it. He went to exact from the tree what it was claiming that it had by its leaves. Yet when he got there, there was no fruit. So he cursed the tree. (laughs) 
sometimes I want to tell people, hey, the best thing you could do for your friends and family is quit telling them you're a Christian. Spouses are the worst. Pray for my spouse. He's awful. Pray for my spouse. She's terrible. They need to get saved. I want to say, you need to get saved. <laughs> then they might see the real light. And they might fall in love with the real light. And then there's no reasonable response except to surrender their life to the real light. We're supposed to be like mirrors radiating the glory of the kingdom through our lives. We're to be holy as he's holy. We can't get caught up with the elemental things and make this all about rules and regulations and go back to the old covenant. What are you saying? We just don't read the Old Testament? We should just tear it out of our Bibles just by the little New Testaments? I'm saying you should never read the Old Testament unless you read it through the lens of the New Testament. It was just a tutor that brings us into maturity. I'm not saying we get rid of our ABCs, but we only study ABCs because we need to be able to read Moby Dick, right? We don't stay with the ABCs. They're a tool, they're a tutor that lead us into sonship. And you see the thing here where I'm going today is, is we get stuck in being a slave. We talked about the prodigal son. He wanted to come back home and just be a slave. If you want to come back to God and say, I'll obey your rules if you'll let me stay in your house, then you're just a slave. But if you'll come back to God and you'll say, hey, it's just me and I'm a mess. And I may not always do everything perfect. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that now. But I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. And if you'll have me, I want to accept the blood of my brother to cover my sin. And I want to call you Papa. And I want you to be my daddy. And I want to live in your home. And I want you to discipline me. And I want you to correct me. And I want you to tell me when I'm doing dangerous things. And I want you to help me live truth. And I'm going to mess up. And you know that. And you knew what you were getting into when you chose me. But you chose me. And so here I am. Do you understand the glory and the holiness that can radiate from a vessel like that? So much more than one that gets them a t-shirt and a bumper sticker and a huge Bible and goes around thumping people in the head with it saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You better get right or you're going to burn. And all those little turtles are just going to that light. They're being repelled from it. That's even worse. We're, on, we're like standing right in between them and the moon, and we're sitting there saying, don't come this way, because this is how ugly it is. They're being repelled from the kingdom. 
because of the light we're shining. We have to guard ourselves against the temptation to leave sonship and go back into slavery. Jesus, right after he came out of the water, okay, right after the dove flew from the ark and landed on his shoulder, right after the Father in heaven said, this is my son in whom I find the delight of my life. He's led by that same dove. Sometimes you want the dove, and sometimes you want to kill the dove. Don't you? Sometimes you want to say, be quiet. Stop messing with me. I don't want to go in the wilderness and not eat for 40 days. Go somewhere. Go back up where, wherever you descended from. Ascend back up for a little while. Oh, man, you're being blasphemous. I'm being real. If I could put your life up on this screen, I could take a little pointer and say, there's where you told him to go away. There's where you told him to go away. There's where you told him to go away. Now, judge me. There's where you told him to go away. There's where you told him to go away. There's where you said, come back tomorrow. Come back on Sunday. I'll meet you at church. That same dove led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And he fasted for 40 days. What's the first question Satan challenged him with? Before that. Before even if you're hungry. If you are a son. If you are a daughter. Do this. Look, we have to guard ourselves from doing the stuff to prove we're a son or daughter. That will turn you into a slave in a minute. Jesus didn't even play with him. You know, what, you know how he answered his question about if he's a son? Dad said. <laughs> if you're his son, daddy you get what I'm putting down? Said, man shall not leave by bread alone. He didn't even answer his question directly, right? He didn't even give him the time of day with that. I love it. He just kind of gave him a, a nothing answer, but made sure he knew that he was talking about dad. You need to quit trying to give him answers for everything. You need to quit trying to rationalize everything. You don't have to have a rational answer for every temptation. You don't have to be able to prove in every single thing why you don't have to do a bunch of stuff. Just be a son, be a daughter, and rest. His first temptation was, if you're a son, do this. If you're a son, do this. God just said, this is my beloved son, in whom I find the delight of my life. If you're a son. What did he tell him in the garden? Did he really say that? Surely God didn't really mean that. Surely God didn't really say that. You're a son. You're a daughter. you got to believe what he says.
or such a temptation. In this society, in this world that praises and glorifies, glorifies man's effort, man's strength and ability to bring that into the kingdom. Through my years of pastoring young people and adults, I know I don't have as many years as some, but I got a lot more than others. But through my years, I've found the most difficult thing to overcome in people's life to have freedom is not weaknesses. It's not weaknesses. It's strengths that they've developed to overcompensate for weaknesses. We're so resistant to weakness. that will supplement some strength to cover it. It's not hard to take someone whose life is in shambles and they've hit rock bottom and show them the love of God and them embrace it wholeheartedly. That's not hard. What's hard is to convince someone who's found a way to compensate for every weakness in their life to establish some false sense of worth built on the back of their striving and slavism and tell them that that's really not fulfilling. And that instead of being fulfilled by that false sense of worth, you need to be stripped away from that. Just come forward in the weakness that is there. Let it be displayed. Let it be laid open bare. Just be truthful, be honest, and let God heal it. The rich young ruler who I think should appropriately be called the poor young pauper because he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff, but not what he wanted. So look, he goes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? He says, follow all these commands. He said, I've done that. I've done that. Stay with me for just a minute. I've followed all the rules. Look at this. You must not have seen this, Jesus. Let me get closer to you. You didn't see that badge? Look, that's my Sunday school attendance badge. You didn't see that, did you? You wouldn't even mention that. You probably didn't see that. 
Oh, you didn't even see my T-shirt? I know it, probably writing wasn't big enough on there. Look at me. You didn't see that? Sorry, Jesus, you didn't see that. Wait, you can't even see this Bible? Golly, Jesus, what's going on? I'm starting to wonder if you even know what's real. You didn't know this? Well, you need to do this. Man, I did all the stuff. Jesus said, yeah, but you lack something. But it's covered up with all your junk. You've compensated for something with stuff in your life that I want to heal. And the only way I can get to what needs to be healed is if you get rid of all the stuff that you've covered it with. You think Jesus was needing money? You think Jesus was wanting to fund some new ministry project? And he's like, oh, yes, here's a rich guy. Go sell all your stuff, write me a check, I need to buy a new plane. That's what I get frustrated about giving, you know. It's so hard to talk about giving and people be like, man, he just wants money. I don't want anybody's money. I want people to quit hiding behind their money. If you can't give your money, you're not whole. This is all there is to it. Your biggest problem is not your weakness. Your biggest problem is whatever you're hiding your weakness behind. He said, Jesus, if you're the son, if you're God's son, do this. He didn't do it. What did he tell him next? I couldn't get him to deny that he's a son, so let's just make him a slave. Next thing he does is he takes him up and he says, hey, I'll make you ruler of all this. I'll give you stuff. I'll make you wealthy in man's eyes. I'll give you a bunch of stuff that this whole world will say that you are wealthy and above all. But Jesus would have to worship, shape his worth through man's opinion of what success is. And he said, worship God alone. I shape my worth in the Father. And I'm a son. And that's all I need. Will you stand with me today? I feel like I was kind of everywhere today. But I think we got somewhere together anyway. I hope we did. I know we've been all the way back to Noah's Ark and we've been to John the Baptist and we've been to Revelation and we've been everywhere. We've been to the law, we've been to the new covenant, we've been to all that. But the point is, it's all about slaves or sons. Slaves or sons. Are you a slave? See, once you, once you find a way to cover your weakness, you're a slave to keep it up. You'll just be a son or a daughter. You'd be free. You'd be free. You wouldn't care what everybody thinks. You wouldn't care what everybody's opinion was. And then you truly can radiate the glory of God. Prayer team, would you come up today?
We'll give everybody a chance to pray just before we leave today. If anybody wants to, prayer team, if you'll come. That thing that causes you the most frustration in your life is probably the thing you're trying to prop up to cover your weakness. You may be real vulnerable. When we got to about 75 people, We moved into the high school. I thought we finally arrived. We were going to blow up. High school sit five, seats 500 people. I knew we were going to fill it. And then all that insecurity and all those things that were inside of me, I could finally bury with my success. But it didn't work because God loves me. He loves me so much that he crushed it. And he crushed me. And I had to get to the place where I didn't care if I ever pastored a big church. I had to get to a place where I didn't care if people thought I was successful, anointed, or gifted. I ended up in my living room again. 20 people that wouldn't go away. 30 people maybe that wouldn't go away. And it took a while. It took a while to die. It took a while to not be disappointed every Sunday that I was in my living room with 30 people and not the gym, the school with 500. But eventually, I died. And eventually I was content if I spent the rest of my life with 30 people in my living room and I raised my babies to know God. And I was faithful to the ones God sent. Genuinely thought I was in the sweet spot of the will of God in that living room. And when I allowed him for that part of me to die, it was like the poor young pauper when I finally sold all that stuff and let him strip all that stuff away, he could give me real life. Today, whatever that thing is, it's called, man, it almost destroyed my marriage trying to build that church. I almost lost my children, I'm sure, trying to build that church if we stayed on that course because I was so desperate. Tainted the ministry tainted the word tainted the worship tainted everything we were leading turtles away from the moon 
And if we'd stayed on that course, I can't imagine how disastrous that would have been for our city if God had blessed my ambition. God is not going to give you favor to cover your weakness. He's going to give you mercy to heal it. So today, prayer team's here. We're going to open up for just a few minutes if somebody wants to come down and pray and just say, I'm tired of trying to prop up the things to cover my weakness and I want to be holy, complete, and lacking nothing. Because he's my papa and I got his DNA and something in my life must be perverted, distorted, or a lie because I don't feel holy. And today, I just want to surrender that. Would you come down if you want to pray? We're not going to... Come down if you want to pray. There's... Maybe it's not the most frustrated thing in your life. Maybe it's the most successful thing in your life. Maybe you live in fear that one day it's going to fail. And everybody's going to know you're a fraud. Or maybe everybody's going to know you weren't what you said you were. Or you, you weren't able to make it last. There's more prayer counselors available. Let's give just a few minutes. If you're in your seat, you can just pray right where you are. God, would you just search my heart today? If there's any lacking in me, if there's any brokenness in me, if there's anything in me that is causing me to live so much less than what you would have for me, if I'm stuck in a fading glory, if I'm stuck in a cycle of fading glory that is diminished by Monday afternoon and it's not something that radiates and rekindles and it sustains in my life on a daily basis, God, would you show me the lie I'm believing that causes the glory to diminish? Would you show me where I've gone back into slavery? Would you show me where I failed to identify as a son or a daughter? Would you just illuminate to me right now, God? Illuminate to me right now. I know the glory fades in my life. I'm tired of the glory fading. I'm tired of having to get pumped back up and recharged and recharged and recharged. God, would you show me the striving lie, the lie of striving that I have believed. Would you illuminate it to me today? We expose you. We expose you. We expose you, spirit of striving. We expose you right now. We expose you right now. 
We call you out right now, you spirit of striving that robs the people of God of rest and freedom and glory. We call you out right now. We curse you in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Striving, go somewhere else. Slavery. Slavery. You have, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned as for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved father For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. The entire universe is standing on tippy-toe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. All creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.